Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department Podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their beginnings, their successes, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is marketing consultant Lauren Flower Kim. Like it or not, marketing is an essential part of being an illustrator. You are the first voice that boosts your portfolio, your debut picture book, or whatever you create. But don't take my word for it, take Lauren's. Among other topics, we look back on Lauren's career as a marketing leader at both Random House and HarperCollins. We discuss the sway marketing departments have in children's publishing, and Lauren offers three ways you can market your picture book. I hope you enjoy our conversation. What is the role of someone in marketing? So easy peasy. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about this. Uh, The role of someone in marketing, the true role of somebody in marketing is to help make a lot of noise for a book Mm -hmm. that also will break through all the noise that is being made for all the books. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a, a, an impossible task. But the role of the person in marketing, as far as I can tell, you wear a lot of hats. One, you're a project manager. You are uh, supposedly a creative, but it does feel a lot of times that most of my creative juices are being spent on managing a shoestring budget and trying to make the most out of it, mm-hmm. which you know is its own talent. But really, the role of the marketing person is to uh, read the room. Um, to anticipate, to be intuitive. Uh, I used to wonder a lot of times why I would be invited to some meetings and cover meetings and things like that, because they clearly didn't want necessarily to hear my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, there's a lot of people in this room, the sales team has opinions, and the art director has opinions. But it was always very important that they had marketing representation in the room. And the reason why was really because, for me to be able to hear how the covers were being received, what people were commenting on, what people were really responding to was as important for me trying to shape and craft a marketing message Mm -hmm. um, for the book as it was for the designer to figure out, you know, how to make uh, the appropriate tweaks that would get that cover to really like pop off the shelf. Right. Yeah. So, and then to like manage all the projects around making sure that there's a lot of that that the book is uh, becoming known. What was your title at Harper? Director of marketing. Uh, yes, director of integrated marketing. Integrated marketing. Yes. What's the difference between marketing and integrated marketing? Isn't all oh, marketing kind of integrated? <laughs> well, I mean, it is now. Yeah. Um, like when I started, uh, I worked in a department called new media marketing, which was basically just their way of saying, we don't know what to do with this whole internet thing. (laughs) Um, so if it's digital, just give it to Lauren's group and they'll figure out what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the reasons, well, what was happening when I went from random house to Harper Collins, one of the, the big things that I was trying to do is, uh, help the whole department understand that 
new media marketing and digital marketing wasn't just, you know, this isolated thing that all marketing is digital. All marketing is integrated. It is print and mail and in person and Mm -hmm. online and advertising is happening, you know, in papers as well as online. And now, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that it's only happening really digitally and online. Yeah. Uh, there's very few opportunities to do wow. print advertising. And I mean, maybe not few, but it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's not the same as it was when I first started way back in the, uh, prehistoric era, I guess. When, Jurassic. when did you start? <laughs> Cause you were, you, your first job was in Random House. Yes. Where, when, so my first was job that? was, that was in the year 2000. The year 2000. Um, the year 2000. It was a new time. We were just about to hit the internet bubble. Uh, but no, I actually, I came into marketing, or I came into publishing and marketing as a sort of more circuitous route. Um, I started out as a copy editor in the marketing group. So I read all the marketing copy that went through for children's books. Hmm. So I was very familiar with how things were being messaged and what kinds of uh, marketing tools were being released and put out there. And then I moved over to the new media marketing group Mm -hmm. where I learned to code and produce websites and understand search queries and implement digital uh, Mm e-commerce. And I created genre-based marketing tools such as uh, genre-based email newsletters and groups. It's the first of its kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, was, Way uh, back the, in the day, it sounds so silly now, but but uh, right. but I I did all of those things, and then uh, I used to always think to myself how I was so glad that I was uh, a producer and doing digital things, and I didn't have to be one of these marketing people who had to have the the job of being responsible for a job for a book that doesn't sell well, mm-hmm. but um, we're going to talk about that getting, later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but not getting any credit if the book does do well. There you go. And then um, seeing my my vision for all marketing to be or for all digital marketing to be marketing and all marketing to be digital, suddenly I was in that position. Yeah. <laughs> Who wrote the marketing copy? The editors. No, marketing copy is written by the marketing people. Oh, and you're the copy editor is, for that team. But it's adapted largely for uh, from what the editor is putting out there. Yeah. Well, by the way, I just wanted to let you know, and the listeners know, um, that's not me tapping my fingers, if you can hear that. it's. Oh, yeah. What is that? It's a torrential downpour, <gasps> which is kind of appropriate because we're going to rain down a lot of facts and information about marketing today. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Nice. Um, and that's where you met Sarah, right? Random House? Yes. She was a project manager mm-hmm. uh, in the marketing group, and I was a copy editor. We immediately looked at each other. And we were like, hey, you seem cool. <laughs> 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 this place is weird and scary. Do you want to be friends? Right. Can we take um, our $22,000 or $25,000 salary and afford a beer together? Let's do that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we knew all the places to get the cheapest beers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Times Square. Oh, yeah. Well, Jimmy's Corner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if you know, but Jimmy passed recently. I did. I yeah. did. We actually, I think I was the one that sent the article to our gym. <laughs> yeah. Man. It was really sad. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, you know, when I was at Penguin, the marketing, the relationship between the between the design team and the marketing team, I always found interesting because they were either non-existent mm-hmm. on a book that we were working on, or they mm-hmm. were all up in our business. Mm-hmm. You know, here's here's kind of how it worked out. So we would be building our list of books for a particular season. Once the books were pretty much set for that list, as as the art director, I would then disperse among the design team their assignments, you know, like you you will work on these books and you will work on those books. And then we would hand off the list to the marketing. Somebody in marketing would, would get this list in some way. I think the managing editor would provide that information to them. And then I would get an email either from the managing editor or from marketing directly, maybe the director of marketing. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. With a with a sort of an Excel sheet for this book, the marketing person is this person. For this book, the marketing person is this person, and we would have an assigned marketing person for every book. So, like so far, that sounds great, but what typically happened was the books that we already kind of knew were going to do well. The marketing person was like emailing, "Hey, let's get together. Let's set up a meeting. What do you want? How do you want to play this? Like, what can we?" do let's do a creative like brainstorm so that they were prepared they could start their job before the book was even we were even in sketches they could start their job and we would show them sketches we would show them art that's why they were at covers meetings here's what it looks like and their opinion was definitely solicited then there were books most of the other ones most if you were lucky you got an email like hey we're gonna do a web banner can the illustrator just provide some art layered so we can like mess with it and add some text it's going to go in a certain website for a week that's it so like why do i have i have a i have an answer to this question but I'm, i'm curious to hear yours why do books that seemingly will already do well that don't really need the ten thousand dollar marketing budget Get the $10,000 marketing budget. And why do other books that you know are going to struggle on their own get zip? Well, uh, I mean, the books that seem like they're already going to do well are books that the publishing house has paid a lot of money for. And even though it seems like it would do well, even if it didn't have a marketing budget, that's absolutely not true. Because the whole thing about marketing, yeah, marketing is the, it's the invisible uh, it's the invisible force behind a book. Um, I always say that you don't notice a clean house, but you sure as heck notice a dirty house, mm-hmm. right? So marketing is basically the person who's cleaning that house, like who's making sure that this book that obviously seems like it's going to do well, that has all of the things that it needs to get out there. It's got the sales push. It's got the engaged author. It's got a cover that, you know, has foil and is going to shine and (laughs) pop off the shelves and all of the things. Uh, The fact is, is that it has all of those elements, but without somebody standing there with a megaphone saying, did you see the foil on this cover? Did you hear about this book? Did you know that this was there? Um, Without a marketing person coordinating advertising uh, buys and book talkers or or shelf talkers and, um, you know, making sure that there's all of the, all of the assets that the book is going to need to make sure that it's got 
good placement in bookstores, none of those things would be achieved. And, and you don't really notice it because it's seamless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you will notice the marketing, like if uh, you've been reading an article and there's an ad for the book that you might ignore and then you go online and you hear about the book again, you know, someplace else and there's another ad for, for it coming up here. Mm-hmm. There's like a really clever campaign that sort of sticks in your craw. Uh, those are all things that you definitely notice. Um, and different houses actually do it a little bit differently as far as uh, publicity is concerned, but publicity and marketing are always uh, in lockstep. So, you know, the idea that a book might be getting review coverage and pitched to one publication, um, but then maybe an ad buy in the same publication or one right next to it, those are all things that are happening and that are being coordinated by your marketing person, mm-hmm. or at least uh, being taken into account by the marketing person. Right. And it's all stuff that uh, a lot of people don't necessarily know about. And if you've ever read a marketing campaign, it's a whole lot of it's a lot of bullets that don't always make a lot of sense. There's a lot of words like outreach to such and such community, mm-hmm. and you don't really know exactly what that means. But uh, all that outreach is anytime you message any blogger or uh, influencer or even any book reader, uh, if the book is having a presence at book fairs, all of that is, is happening, again, you know, with the marketing department oftentimes in lockstep with publicity. Mm-hmm. It's like being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're doing your job, then everything is going according to plan it's a thankless job in a lot of ways and like i said if a book is floundering and it's not getting the attention that that it needs usually the very first place that they go is say okay well what are we doing in marketing what more can we be doing in marketing should we throw some marketing budget at this book you know it's funny you said the first place they go to is the marketing team i say the first place they go to is the the design team Mm -hmm. a rebranding but here's the thing a rebranding, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but a book cover can only be redesigned so many times before the book is published, right? Sure. And once the book is published, it has a finite amount of time that that cover just needs to be what that cover is mm-hmm. because they can't keep updating a cover that's been printed. So the marketing team basically... I mean, we're talking thousands of books. We're talking about uh, a lot of moments where something can be done for the marketing up until like in the pre-sale period. Mm -hmm. Um, And also when the book is currently on sale, even after the book is on sale. And uh, marketing has a very long tail. I mean, books are long form content. They exist forever. And with school and library marketing, for example, a lot of the attention that a book will receive doesn't happen until long after it's published Mm -hmm. with awards attention, um, making it onto school book lists and things like that. Right. There's always an opportunity to, you know, find a marketing hook. For example, say a book is published in March, it's not doing very well, but, oh, maybe there's an Earth Day connection. So let's do something for Earth Day. Oh, but you know what? Maybe it would also be something that uh, people would buy for a mom around Mother's Day or something like that. And Mm -hmm. there are are myriad opportunities to try to uh, reapproach the marketing. And then all of that has to happen in the moment. 
So yeah, <laughs> that's my take on it. Not to not to dismiss. I mean, they really make the design department. And when I say they, I mean the publishing cabal at large. Yeah. Um, it's it's really uh, it's such a collaborative endeavor, mm-hmm. and it can feel a lot like. Uh, like you're being told what to do for reasons that don't make any sense. Um, and when I say you, I mean specifically the design department. Sure. I have never seen such um, amazing talent, but also fortitude as I've seen with uh, art directors um, and designers who have to sit in a room and receive a lot of feedback that might feel like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um and receive it with grace and humility, and then try to parse all of the information that comes up in these meetings Mm -hmm. and return something that gets at what people are actually trying to get at, which isn't necessarily what they said. You know, if somebody's saying that a cover is, that red covers are selling really well and the book is called The Blue Notebook, like you're not gonna, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't just put red on the cover. So you have to try to figure out what it is that that actually means. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. yes, it's, it's an incredible moment. Oh, I'm sorry. Ooh, we have a dog. Beast. <laughs> oh my god, that was impressive. Uh, Man, did you did you, is that how you managed your team? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel! I gotta learn that trick. Um, you know, at these meetings from a design perspective, you know, we asked the, the, the job as an art director was to sit in this meeting with 50, 70 other people, most of whom were in the sales department, the marketing department, the school and library department, the executive team, your team, and then everyone's assistants and their assistants and their interns and like the whole room mm-hmm. full of folks. And mm-hmm. then your cover as a designer, your cover shows up on screen. And this is a cover that you've been working on for three to six months, something like that with the mm-hmm. illustrator. It isn't, and you weren't working on it in a vacuum. You were working on it with the illustrator. Maybe that illustrator's agent had a one or two words to say. You definitely your editor, the copy editor, the managing editor, and the publisher, the assist, the associate publisher, the editorial director, like all, everyone in your team had words to say about this thing. It finally makes it into final art stage, final design stage. It is ready to go to the covers meeting. It's on screen. And as a designer, as the art director, and even like covers of that my designers had put up, I'm sitting here as their boss, their manager, like sweating a little bit because I don't, what, what normally would happen is everyone would go, oh, that's nice. Anyway, next. That was like 85% of the time. Mm-hmm. 10% of the time was, wow, that's amazing. Holy crow. And then the, you can see the sales team light up. The marketing team lights up. Oh, you know what we can do with this? We could do that. And then the sales team says, oh, you know, and it would be great if we could blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you get this like really great back and forth. Awesome energy. The remaining 5% was this isn't working. Mm-hmm. As a designer, you're hurt. You're being rejected. And so the publisher, you can see the publisher and the editor both say, you know, okay, well, what is it that's not working? Well, I I think it needs to look like this, or it needs to be red, or it needs to be white, or the title needs to be bigger. The character, you know, I I don't don't identify with the character. The character is not cute. I've heard that one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, can the character be cuter? It's not really that cute. I mean, you do go back. You have to go back. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you are not being rejected in those moments. It it might feel like your entire art uh, education experience, the design decisions that you made are being rejected in that one sentence. But you have to understand, it's not that the art that you've created or that the cover that you've created isn't lovely, beautiful, or stunning. It's that what you're doing when you're creating a book cover is you're creating a piece of art for a purpose, right? And for a specific audience. So this is not art for art's sake. This is not (laughs) you being able to express yourself or you being able to like show off your skills, even though it does seem like it, it is in a lot of ways. It literally is that moment when, you know, if you're in a room full of people and the reaction isn't, ah, like with a gasp of like, oh, mm-hmm. that's great, or yeah. like a you know like a, a round of applause, then that's what's going to happen, you know, in the in the in the world when that book cover goes out into the world. And so it's far better to get this feedback in, for example, those small meetings that you're having with the publisher, with your art director. It's much better to have this reaction in this room with your sales and marketing team and a good designer can understand that this is this is feedback for a purpose. It's not a commentary on your individual talent or skill. It's literally like a moment where you're seeing how things are being received. And I feel like with marketing, half the time I'm throwing out my marketing ideas or my marketing plan yeah. uh, to see how it's going to be received. You know, if I if I come up with a a slogan that I think is really clever and catchy, you know, it's sure. it's really you're throwing a lot of, of things at the wall. But it's it's really not something that you should ever take personally because it's never a comment on your particular talent or skill or even your design choices. It's it's all just a marketing is all about creating conversation. And if people care enough about your cover to want to respond and to make it better, that's another reason why, for example, the marketing budget could get an increase or why it will get more attention later on. Has that, has that happened? Has like a, a cover shown up on a screen and everyone's like, what the hell? This is amazing. Hey, marketing team, here's an extra couple thousand dollars or something. Yeah, actually, I've wow. been in rooms where that has totally happened. Where And and here's the other thing. It's not necessarily marketing team, here's another couple dollars. What will happen is in the next meeting, like there's a smaller meeting and they'll say, you know, everybody was really talking a lot about that cover. I think, you know, it came back in and it's stunning now and it's this, that and the other. Even the mere uh, like attention that is being given to it, you know, they they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, for example, because as long as you are being discussed, you are being front of mind. And when you're front of mind, that means that the salespeople are going to remember your book when they are making their pitches to the booksellers. And sure. you know, if the bookseller thinks that the cover is really amazing and they give that feedback. Um, that's amazing. That's great. So I actually would, would tell you, I would dare your designers to, uh, embrace the feedback and to hope for feedback to create a cover that, that inspires gasps. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is a little bit of controversy, I, I don't think that that is necessarily a bad thing. I have, I have seen covers that make or break a book. Oh, me too. You know, Definitely. Yeah. Where like, like the conversations that happen outside the room are like, I don't know, we can't, I don't know what we can do with this, you know, and they feel like the cover is, you know, an impossible uh, product to sell. Um, And so they just sort of cross their fingers and hope for the best and hope that the author will 
push the book and that the marketing team will figure out a way. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's why they're so important. And that's one of the reasons why the marketing campaign is so important because if uh, in my job, so my job day to day, uh, I get pitched a book. Um, I know that it's going to be this book. Uh, I figure out who I think the audience is. I figure out what I think a message that will work is I figure out which outlets I would want to make sure that I'm pushing this book to. And I come up with a marketing campaign Mm -hmm. and I present this marketing campaign at pre-sales to all of the sales group. Those salespeople, what they want to see is a lot of bullets, right? They want to say, okay, they're going to do a lot for this. And what they want to hear is uh, an idea that, that, makes their eyes pop, not glaze over. It's not just the same old thing, something that really makes them say, oh, this is important. And what the sales team really needs to hear is, oh, shoot, this book is going to be all over the place. If the salespeople know that there's something happening and they can communicate the urgency to their booksellers, Mm -hmm. that's how book sales happen. And that's one of the reasons why the marketing person basically kind of has to have their fingers in everything, has to have their ear on all of it. Mm -hmm. And... You know, again, uh, you want to make sure that your marketing department has art that they can use, that they can, you know, take that branding and put it all over the place and make sure that, you know, when the the book is being seen, even if it's just a glimpse on the corner of their eye, if it's a sidebar ad that, you know, somebody's not even reading, it's just sort of going past their eyes, they're reading an article. That's really important because if you see something that pops, right? When you see it then in the store, the next three times you see it, if you're on Amazon looking at bestseller lists, you'll say, oh, wait, I've seen that before. And then you'll click through. So, yep. Yeah. Sorry, I guess that was a long winded. I got I got all passionate about that. <laughs> <laughs> the marketing campaign. No, uh, but yeah. the marketing campaign, as, uh, as much as it may or may not make sense to an author or an illustrator or a designer, um, it's all about, again, just making sure that it feels like a lot is happening and that sure. this is going to be out there. Yeah. I, there's a, I mean, for illustrators out there, if you're ever working on something with a publisher, always keep all of the art, like mm-hmm. eat, like sketch everything, even sketches that end up not being in the book, keep uh-huh. them like, keep thinking about them because the marketing teams do ask the design teams for other, for art. And some of it comes from the book. Most of it comes from the book, but then there could be other pieces that you could be providing for those banner ads for, you know, whatever. Especially in children's books. I've had instances where uh, we've been wanting, we've uh, developed games, we've developed websites, we've developed um, uh, destinations or even uh, site takeovers that, you know, are very popular. Um, But any kind of additional art that you have, or even if there's, um, you know, I mean, documenting the art making process it's you don't necessarily know if it's going to be relevant maybe there's no place for it but uh on amazon for example the more content you have on a book page the better a book does so if there is additional art if there are outtakes if Mm -hmm. there is a slideshow of the sketching process from you know at various stages that can be made into a video that then becomes sales material that can be put onto the website. Sure. Yeah. Um, again, this is a few years ago, so my memory could be a little blurry around the edges here, but my art, the marketing money for the books that we worked on came from the book. It didn't didn't come from this like pool of other money somewhere. It came from the book. So the book, not only does the book before the book's even born, there's already 
X thousands of dollars for the author, X thousands of dollars for the illustrator, X thousands of dollars for the marketing team, X thousands mm-hmm. of dollars for the production team, X mm-hmm. thousands of dollars for the designer, for turning the lights on, for like literally all of it. Then the book goes on sale and everyone crosses their fingers and sees if to see if the sales cover cover the initial the initial bet yeah i mean the budgeting so basically what happens is uh we have you pay a certain amount of money for books mm-hmm. and in theory the marketing budget would be X percent of it, say 10% of what you paid for the book. And that would be the the marketing budget for it. But as the sales projections go up, the marketing budget can be increased. Yeah. So it's, it's tight, but it's not so tight that, uh, different budgets can't be adjusted. So we have folks listening. We've been talking a lot of inside baseball on the publishing side, but like for people listening who aren't working in the marketing or design teams who, or used to work in the marketing design teams, uh, or, you know, they're just on the outside looking in, they're concerned about marketing. Maybe they have a book that recently came out with a publisher. Maybe that publisher is not Penguin or Random House or Simon Schuster or Harper or whoever, somebody else. And, um, the book went on pre-sales three months ago. It, didn't really get much in terms of marketing from the publisher and the author and the illustrator are, this is an actual scenario. I'm not making this up. The author and illustrator um, didn't really, you know, they posted some stuff on social media and whatnot, but there really wasn't really a giant push. The book went on sale, still no push. And now it's kind of in limbo. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no indication from the publisher that anything's going to happen. There's no communication from the marketing team to anyone who could communicate to the author or the illustrator. So the author and the illustrator are left going like, should we be doing something? Whose responsibility? Yeah. Whose responsibility Uh, is it? Is it the publisher's responsibility to market the damn book or is it the author and illustrator's responsibility? Everybody's it's absolutely a hundred percent. The author and the illustrator are the best advocates for their own book. Hands down, especially in this modern digital age where, you don't actually need a gatekeeper to reach potential readers. You don't even need a gatekeeper to read, reach booksellers. An illustrator can uh, post on social media like about their process, about what they've been working on, about how excited they are for the book. Anybody who's following that illustrator will then have, again, marketing is all about not hearing about something once and deciding to make a purchase. Marketing is about hearing about something, hearing about it again, hearing about it again, hearing about it again until they make a purchase or make a recommendation to somebody else, or even say something like, oh, I heard about that book, which then validates the book in the mind of the person they're talking to and gives that person another point of marketing. Mm -hmm. It's many different pieces that eventually add up to book sales or book reading or purchases, et cetera. But I've seen, I've seen illustrators and authors complain that basically they're doing everything. Yes. Yes. And and here's and here's the, the thing that I would like to point out. Again, first of all, the publisher paid money for a book, mm-hmm. right? They're the first. They're the original buyer, uh, yeah. and the publisher does have um, an obligation or duty to try to get that book out there and into stores. But ultimately, you know, the author is going to be the illustrator. 
the author, the creators are the best advocates for the book for myriad reasons, because what they're not necessarily seeing is that the publisher is using all of their connections with their booksellers. Mm -hmm. They are pitching the book to booksellers. If a book is in a bookstore, that's not on accident. That is because uh, somebody with the publisher reached out to that bookstore and made sure that they included it. And bookstores don't buy all books. They don't stock every no, book. They can't. Not at all. They can't. Um, even Amazon needs somebody to uh, help them manage their inventory to understand that books are there. So even if you're seeing a book online, uh, that's still coming from the relationship that the publisher has with the bookseller. Another piece of it is if you're seeing a book get reviewed, that's great. That's coming again because of the relationship that your publicist has with that publication. And your publicist is pitching whatever they can in the moment. But you have to understand that uh, if your publicist is pitching your book and it's not the right book, they can't keep pushing on it because that's a whole relationship there. If they're saying this is the one book that you need to read, oh, and this also is the one book you need to read, then that's <laughs> right. not that's not really doing anybody any favors. It's funny. It's a funny job because it's the marketing and the publicity teams. I, I I've yeah. I learned from in grad school. I was uh, my teacher was Anel Miller, this the the president of the Society of Illustrators, and she was talking to us about marketing and publicity and the difference between the two. And she said. Marketing is you talking about your own work to other people. Publicity is other people talking about your work to other people. Pretty succinct. Very accurate. But just to going back to like, okay, like we get it. We get the roles of the folks in the, in the, in the company. The role of the creator is a little less clear. And I, I'm feeling like you said everybody is, is responsible. I agree with that. I totally I agree with you. Like it's your book, man. Do, don't just yeah. sit there and let some other let some marketing person that you've probably never met be responsible for the marketing of your book. Do it yourself yeah. too. Like be engaged there and and be part of the team. Yes, but I mean, I would hear I would hear in these meetings we would post a cover and it wasn't the first or second or third comment wasn't really about the cover. It was about the social media following of the creators. Well, how many followers do they have on Instagram? Publishers care. No, but here's the thing. Uh, at, in this day and age, pushing a book is not as much about pushing a, a story or an illustration or an arc. I mean, that is a big piece of it. But another big piece of it is who are the creators? Um, what are they like? Who Who is really interested in them? Do they have a cult following? That's something that's like really relevant. Uh, and if they don't, that's not the end of the world. It's just that in the world that we live in today, it it makes a huge difference. I see it as a help, but not. It shouldn't be the core. And I feel like it's becoming the well, core. The core, the core is the book itself. I know. I think it's both. Honestly, it really is. Uh, I, I think it's unfortunate that so much of it depends upon the following that an author has. But here's the thing: it doesn't have to be a digital online following. If you have creators who are willing to go out and talk about their own books, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's it's so much better. School visits, for example, you see um, authors who are you know showing up at their local bookstore and making friends with their booksellers. That right there means that they have a dedicated bookseller who will sell their books. Yeah, right. And that's just one piece of it. 
And that's a relationship because publishing is all about the individual relationships. If, um, Giuseppe, if you published a book tomorrow, because you now have this platform, right, you mm -hmm. have access to people who are interested in what you create and what you're working on, you are going to be far more saleable than, um, than me, right? And I, I don't think it's uh, necessarily my story might be more interesting. Um, my, my, my illustrations might be <laughs> way more catchy. <laughs> they might pop a lot more. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you have a platform, when you have a voice, then you can have that much more reach. And that's, that's just the case across the board. And it feels unfair. Um, I, like I get how it can seem that it's unfair, but at the same time, it's, it's true across the board for all media Yep. Uh, because we have these unfettered opportunities to uh, reach mass swaths of, of audiences. Right. It's something that is, it has to be taken into consideration. So like what, okay. To keep things simple and manageable and um, listable, let's think mm -hmm. of like, what are three, uh, I'm an illustrator. I'm listening to this episode. I've got, maybe I've got a book, uh, it's coming out soon, you know, mm -hmm. um, with a publisher, maybe I've self-published this book. I've got this thing I want to market and, uh, the top three things I should do. Social media is obviously part one of them. It's gotta be one of them reaching out to your local library, your local school district like reaching out to your inner your sort of like close circle absolutely i always tell my clients i think uh reaching out to basically making uh personal connections for yourself where you can have your book out there if it's on social media that's great it can be somewhat impersonal and the return on you know you have forty thousand subscribers you're going to get if you get one percent to pay attention to your book that's considered successful and that's not that money Right. So yeah. uh, a big thing that you can do as a creator is if you if social media is a natural place for you to be, be there. Absolutely. Be real. Okay. Be genuine. Be who you are, because that matters the most. If you have additional content that you can share, if you can talk about the creation process, if you Definitely. can talk about your thought process behind it, if you can create content around your work, that's Awesome. And mm -hmm. even if you don't have a following, uh, hopefully you have a publisher who does have a following and you have content that that, that publisher can use or, you know, give to influencers who might be able to use it. So mm -hmm. the first thing that you should do is create content that you can share. Okay. okay. That's one. Whether it's on your own platform or somebody else's. Second is build a network. Mm -hmm. um, go out, introduce yourself to your local booksellers, uh, mm -hmm. make friends. Like if you're a parent, make sure that you are sharing your book with, uh, your fellow parent friends, uh, teachers yeah. and, and the school and the school library. Mm -hmm. we, we call it the cupcake tour where you show up to your local bookseller with oh. some pastries or something like that That's and cute. introduce yourself and say, I have a book coming out. I'd be happy to sign copies for you. If that would be something you're interested yeah. in. Just don't be, don't be weird or creepy or annoying. <laughs> Just yeah. but like go to again, your go to like your county and then your surrounding counties. Who mm -hmm. are the folks in charge of like the for the school districts where they they're responsible for like bringing in authors or bringing in speakers or what like who, like whatever. Find somebody and yeah, reach out and be like, I'm a local author and illustrator. They love that stuff. 
think of it as making friends. If people like you, then they are going to totally want to love your book. Yeah. And then the third thing that you should do mm-hmm. is anything that you are doing to your for your book, share it. Share it with your marketing team. Share it with your editor who's going to share it with the marketing people, who's going to share it with the salespeople and the publicity people. Make sure that you are your own megaphone. You're saying, hey, I created all of this stuff. Do you want it? Do you need it? Or or don't even, you know, it doesn't even have to be an action item. You can just say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I'm going here, here, and here. And then the onus is then put on your salesperson to make sure that that their booksellers know that you are going to be here, here, and here, and that these things are happening, and that they might have customers who are going to be coming into the bookstore and asking about your book Mm -hmm. because you are doing something. That is the single most important and often overlooked thing that I think is happening because, again, every time the salespeople hear a little something about the book, whether it's a complaint about the cover or that the uh, author is doing this, you know, crazy thing, this weird thing, or the creator, the illustrator has built a slideshow that, you know, outlines the the process. Mm -hmm. Anytime they hear anything about your book, they have to pay attention. And a good, Mm -hmm. a good salesperson is going to take inventory of that, take stock of that and make sure that they're passing that information along. Right. And the more times you hear about a book, the more times you are, are paying attention to a book, the better your book is going to do. I mean, there's one story of a book that, you know, we all read, we thought it was fine it was fair to middling didn't necessarily seem like it should be top of the list or uh you know it it felt like it was going to be a perfectly fine book with a very middling say ten thousand dollar budget but the author or the creator of this book had a million ideas for it and started doing these really wild crazy things and this author even put her own budget behind it Mm -hmm. um created uh, an app or a game and did a mailing and, you know, something just really, uh, all on her own mm-hmm. and it took this book because there was so much that this creator was doing for the book. Suddenly the sales team felt that they needed to redraw the, the sales projections yeah, yep. and the estimates. And in so doing, that also opened up the marketing budget. So then the marketing team needed to come back. And suddenly this book that was fair to middling was becoming a top tier book that was being talked about in all of the meetings that was getting more budget because the sales projections were going higher because of all the activity that was happening initiated by the creator. And, you know, while I don't necessarily think that that is the answer for everybody, I do think that that is an answer and it's a very good one. And frankly, you know, whatever you need to do to get somebody to, to sit up and say, hey, hey, is what you have to do if you really want your book to succeed. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We're hype people. You're the hype. You're the hype man. Yeah. Hype. The, hype, the, hype, the hype person. The hype, hype person. People. The hype people. The creator's doing something. I say, what, what? The creator's doing it. What, what? <laughs> yep. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. In life. Did you ever, I mean, where did you go to school? Ah, okay. So I went to University of California at Santa Barbara. Okay. Um, I thought that I was going to be a journalist. I studied English literature and I worked at the uh, Santa Barbara Independent, which is the weekly arts and entertainment magazine um, that was there. And Mm -hmm. I wrote a weekly column on, 
you know, what was happening that week. It was really just taking press releases and compiling them into a, on Thursday night, go here, Saturday, there's an art opening, nice. et cetera, et cetera. Um, what and then I also got to write a few of, the, well, I actually landed here kind of on accident. Um, when I realized I didn't or, want to be or a journalist. by accident, depending on by accident. Yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> anyway, so I, I thought I was going to be a journalist okay. and then decided that I didn't want to write about other people. I wanted to write my own thing. So I was going to go into publishing and there's not a lot of publishing opportunities in California. So when an old college roommate said that she needed a roommate and asked if I wanted to move to New York, I said, sure, why not? I'll move there for a few years. And uh, I took my copy editing skills and did some freelance jobs and then landed at Random House in the marketing group. Um, and again, I still thought that I was going to have a sexy job like editor or something like that. But mm -hmm. then I started working in the marketing group, reading all of the marketing copy. And uh, again, I landed then in new media marketing and I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved being able to read all of the books that the editors had already decided were good enough to share mm -hmm. because editors have to read a lot of slush. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so I got to read all of these like amazing books and then uh, come up with creative ideas in this brand new medium, which was the internet and come up with ideas for how to reach people mm -hmm. that ended up being, yeah, how I, how I came to be in marketing. Um, wow. I had a, not a tragedy, but something that basically like made it so that I knew that I wasn't going to be a writer after all, mm -hmm. because I decided that I didn't want to share things about myself after all. Mm -hmm. And after that, marketing came very easily. Nice. What's yeah. the Baltimore connection? Your grandmother? Ah, yes. So my, my grandmother was born in Little Italy and nice. uh, in, ba said, in Baltimore. You, you said Italy. First of all, you said Italy correct and Baltimore correct. Okay. Go <laughs> yeah, I mean Mid Atlantic. Uh, yeah. Mid Atlantic. It's got to be. It's got to be what it's got to be. That's correct. But uh, but yeah. So my my grandma was I think the one of the first of her siblings that was born here, and they lived off government food and they shared a like one bedroom apartment um, on. Fay Fay Street, I think it is. Sounds is that right. what it is? Yeah, and um, it's now a restaurant, a delicious, lovely restaurant uh, that I'm like blanking on right now. Mm -hmm. But that's the Baltimore connection. Is basically my grandma was raised here. She grew up with four brothers and sisters and a single widowed mother. And yeah, awesome. All the family's still there. Yeah, that's what I liked about you know every time you and I met over the years. Every now and then, I think we would just inevitably just start talking about Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> um, usually after three or four uh, cheap beers, we uh, we should we should probably go. Sadly. Sadly, yes. So you're my first marketing person, by the way. I am totally not surprised by that at all because <laughs> there's a reason why marketing they, people they get don't, no respect. Uh, they don't like to be in front of the camera. You know what I mean? Mm, good point. Okay, well, there's that too. Um, so, but yeah, you know, they get no respect, no they attention. Get no respect. We, but they uh, shouldn't get attention. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Remembering that there are, you know, illustrators, writers, people who are getting their books published, people who want to get books published, you know, all curious about marketing and stuff. Those are folks who are listening at the moment. Um, do you have any last words of advice 
platform? If you're a designer and a creator uh, and you want to be in publishing, just know that there are going to be a lot of voices that are going to have opinions about your work and that that is not a reflection on your talent. And if you really want to be out there, just create. And um, don't take the, the feedback too personally and understand that it's part of a greater conversation. Um, and make sure that you are speaking up for yourself. Make sure that you are sharing everything that you're creating with, with your publisher, with your literary agent, with your editor uh, or art director. You are the first voice that's going to get the word out about what you're creating. You can connect with Lauren on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed our conversation, please share it with your friends, subscribe to the podcast, and provide a positive rating and review. Become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash illustration D-E-P-T. In return, you'll receive our soft enamel pin, a reusable discount code for 10% off, and access to patron-only episodes we're calling Extra Credit. This podcast is produced by the Illustration Department, a global leader in online education for illustrators. Visit us at illustrationdept.com for class offerings, testimonials, the alumni showcase, the podcast show notes, our forum, the bookshop, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.